0: Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward, and this is Sweat, Grit, and Hustle. On today's show, I am joined by a really inspirational young woman, the amazing Ellie Mackay. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning.
1: And can I just say, you know, I'm just absolutely delighted to be called a young woman. (laughs) That's success right there.
0: Yeah, well, it's all comparative because I I get put in the middle age bracket these days. I've got my ticket for saga. So that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you get to a stage in life, Ellie, where a lot of people are younger. So (laughs) for our listeners, let me just give you a tiny little snippet around Ellie and why I brought her on here. Uh, And then Ellie will tell you much, much more about her, her business and where things have gone for her. So Ellie with husband Mark has got three businesses, a property business, an electrical business and a fire protection business. Their property business has been running for less than three years. And Ellie focuses her time. She lets Mark get on with the operational stuff. And she focuses her time on what she is an expert at. And that is building an expert profile one of Ellie's classic sayings it's not what you know it's not who you know it who knows you it's who knows you sorry so Ellie how have you gone you know where have you started from and share with the listeners how you've took that from zero to hero in business in less than three years
1: yeah, well, you know what? It's interesting, um, Tracy. So so like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, I think I was your kind of classic ADHD kid at school. I was always pretty intelligent, but it, it took quite a lot to, to kind of hold my attention. So... Typically you'd found if there was a topic or a subject that, um, that, that fascinated me, like English always did, I would get your A's, or in Scotland it was it was ones. Um, and, and for anything else like maths or science, it'd be like F's. You know, there was never kind of any in between with me. And, um, you know, I got in with the wrong crowd, didn't particularly leave school with a great deal in terms of academic qualifications. Um, I, I was looking to do my HND in journalism and became kind of disillusioned with that when I realised I wasn't going to be a war course. Within the first three years, you know, I had my heart set on being the next, the next Kate, AD. Um, and very randomly, I ended up working, and um, working in Burger King, um, which, which was great. You know, you used to get loads of uh, free food, which um, was definitely winning at the time. And, and a friend of mine from school came in one day, and she, she was actually we were, we were chatting. She said, what, "What are you doing here?" Because we weren't in her, um, in her hometown. And she says, "Oh, I'm, I'm working for this double glazing company." She said, all right, right. Well, what do you do?" She says, "Oh, we do, we do outbound." Calls. So you get paid to talk. You know, anyone who knows me will know that I was just like, you know, to the manner born, my ears really pricked up. And when I found out she was on an extra 40p an hour, I was just like, right, I, I need to go work for this company, you know? And that was my career's guidance. That was my, um, that, that, that was the only driving factor behind it. She was getting an extra 40p an hour and getting paid to talk. Um, And and long story short, Tracy, um, it turned out that I was very good at talking, which will come as a a great surprise to you, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, And within a very short space of time, I went from being on just just above minimum wage to I was 17 years old. I found myself in a management position. Um, I was actually on a a really decent salary. Um, A couple of years later, I got an opportunity for promotion. I moved to Doncaster at at 19 and um, I was responsible for 100 staff which all sounds um, very glamorous and the money was great, but they also wanted their pound of flesh. I was working um, six days a week. I worked one Sunday every month as well. We were working very long hours. And as much as the bottom line would would seem rather impressive, if you broke that down to an hourly rate, um, really, you know, I was probably on less than minimum wage, truth be told. And... um, At the time, I had a few family problems going on. My sister was was quite unwell. Uh, They were all based back in Scotland. And I really needed a a job where I could get home at the weekends and I didn't have the same responsibilities that I did in my my senior management role. And I basically left the the double glazing world, the, the sales world. And I started from scratch. I started again working in recruitment. I was on 16 grand a year struggling to make ends meet, I needed a second job just to pay the bills and, and, and sort of gradually built my way back up. And uh, I became a careers advisor. I kind of fell into it ironically. And I'd spent nine years working for the, the probation and the police service. But, but the bit that a lot of people didn't realise at the time, so my, my now husband, Mark, and I, we were, uh, when we were in our early 20s, we kind of realised that there was more to life. And we had a bit of the entrepreneurial spirit about us, but we, we didn't have um, a great deal else going for us, truth be told. And we, we did what any um, self-respecting young entrepreneurs do. And we, we sat in a beanbag, which is 100% a true story, by the way, and Googled get rich quick. And uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> yeah, that did? always makes me laugh.
1: <laughs> it's so true, though. People yeah. just think, oh, no, she, she she must be exaggerating a bit. We were just like, no, no, we were those idiots. We really were um, and it, it was a, a toss up between stocks and shares and property. Um, we, we decided to become property millionaires because it was um, very straightforward in, in our minds to do that. And we allowed ourselves to be souls a dream. We, um, we bought an off plan development, which um, for any of your listeners that are not familiar with that, it just basically means you're buying something that's, that's not yet built. And, and this property, now bearing in mind at this point, I'm in my early 20s. I've left the kind of high-flying sales job. I'm, I'm in a kind of 20 grand a year job. And my husband's not long finished as a, he's an electrician by trade, not long finished as an apprenticeship. He, he's working as a subcontractor. So between us, we, we probably weren't on any more than, than 50 grand a year combined, you know. Um, but we decided we were going to go for this off-plan development. Um, we didn't have any money, so we we begged, borrowed and stole just to, to get our deposits and what have you. But we were told that this property for 125 grand was absolutely guaranteed to be worth 195,000 on completion. So we were thinking, okay, so you can literally just sell it as soon as it's completed. You can bank on all of this cash and um, go again. And to be fair, pre 2008, pre recession, you could kind of do that. You could buy properties and refinance them in the same day. But it didn't pan out like that for us, unfortunately, because the development got severely defund- flooded. The whole thing was put back by about four years, and it, it wasn't finished until the back end of 2010. And as much as we went into the recession in 2008, the actual prices didn't bottom to back end of 2010, 2011. And it was worth this property that was a guaranteed to be worth 195 grand ended up being worth 60 grand. And my God, Tracy, it was it was a nightmare. Um, it was it, it was horrible. We 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 tried to walk away from it. Bear we put out about thirty grand down, which was no small amount of money for for a couple in their early twenties, but that wasn't an option. And um, we we had to come up with about a, the deficit of about 40, 45 grand within a very short space of time. We're talking like six to eight weeks, something like that. Otherwise, they were going to come after us. They were they were going to come after our our assets, which um, sounds a lot fancier than than it was. You know, I think I had a secondhand Peugeot one hundred six or something <laughs> like that at the time, and a house that was worth about eighty grand between us. You know, we we didn't have much, but they were coming after us. And uh, yeah, it's. Um, we, we managed to get that money together uh, and honestly I, I can't for the life of me think how we did it now because it, it it was such a whirlwind and it's amazing what you can achieve when your back's against the wall um, when failure isn't an option but it, it really took its toll emotionally as well as financially and the reason I share that story so so kind of openly because, like you said, we've we've been full time in property now for um, just over just approaching three three and a half years, and when people see the success that we've we've now had, which you know, I'm, I'm I'm very happy to talk about, it, it you can somehow think that people have had it a little bit easier. And the reason that we decided to do things so differently this time round was based on. That horrendous experience because it takes its toll mentally, not just financially. And I, I pretty much had a full nervous breakdown, but uh, you know, for, for complete honesty with your listeners, that it was just the most horrific time.
0: Yeah, and it still happens today, Ellie. I was talking to one of my ladies and she's got herself in a similar situation, put money into two flats, all the guaranteed rent stuff. Um And at the end of the day, they've not been built as quickly as they should have been. She's tried to get out of them. Long story short, she was in a similar position to you, but for her, slightly different. Because whereas you say about your back's against the wall, failure's not an option. So you found the drive within you to find a solution. You know, people tend to go either that way or they go the complete opposite way. They just curl up in a ball and go, I can't cope with this. So hats off that you've used that as a drive to find a solution. And I know that's one of your, what's the right word? It's one of your specialities. You know, you hear people say, oh, you know, go buy property. You don't need money for property. Not true. Absolutely not true. You do. What I love and what I've heard about you and I'd love to hear a bit more about is you are somebody that has mastered, if you like, working with other people to actually create a win-win so you get the funds for your property deal they get money on their money so everybody's winning you know how have you gone from a failed off-plan deal to actually raising effectively i think seven figures plus within the last three years to help you build a portfolio
1: yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And to, to give you a bit of concept, so this all happened in 2010. Um, I was never one of these sort of natural born entrepreneurs, if you like, that, that we so often hear about. Um, you know, out hustling from age five and doing all these different uh, little ventures. That that wasn't me. I mean, other than trying to flog some perfume to my neighbours, <laughs> getting into <laughs> a bit of trouble for it. You know, I, I've only ever been an employee. And off the back of what happened in 2010, I was very, very risk averse. I, I wanted to have that nine to five. I wanted to know what I was getting paid. And I wanted to know exactly how much I was getting paid every month. And it wasn't really until years later my husband went to launch the electrical business, um, w- w- which he mentioned, and I started to see him kind of that that way. In a Monday morning, he was kind of leaping out of bed, whereas I was just thinking, "Excuse my language, but I'm just thinking for fuck's sake, you know, here we go again—the rat race. It's, it's it's it was like Groundhog Day over and over again." And I'm looking at the the job that I'm doing and there's more and more red tape working in the prisons. It was less and less about making an impact and helping people and more about being compliant for Ofsted and, and fudging figures and all of this kind of thing. And I became quite unaligned with it all. And from a financial point of view as well, I'm looking at what my, my boss is earning and I'm thinking, well, he's only on an extra five grand a year, but he's doing an extra 20 hours a week. And I'm putting it into the tax calculator online and thinking, you know, that, that's not really worth it. And I'm looking at the one above him thinking, well, maybe I'll leapfrog him. And I just, you know, started becoming quite disillusioned with the whole system. But in 2016, uh, our electrical business, which was doing relatively well, we, we hit some real hard times. Uh, A national construction company went under and they owed us a a significant amount of money, significant to the size of our business. I think it was in excess of £70,000. And it literally came down to the wire whether or not we would be able to keep trading. Um, My husband and his business partner actually took the decision to take out a bank loan. We had 18 staff, uh, 18 guys working for us at the time to make sure they got paid knowing that it was highly unlikely that we were ever going to get paid, which turns out we we, we never got that payment. Um, and, and that decision could have cost us our business, but that was something that that we felt as as business owners and leaders that, that we had the responsibility and the obligation to do. But yet again I found found myself in a situation if anyone's um, been there, you you're waking up in the night with heart palpitations, uh, the the stress that we were under was was unbelievable. My husband was out on site. I mean, bear in mind he'd not been on the tools for many years. We had staff in place. My husband was physically out on site eighteen hours a day, just to just to try and keep us afloat. And during that same time, I was um, I was pregnant throughout this period, and it, it was a very complicated pregnancy. I was in and out of hospital. I spent the entire pregnancy off work, either in bed or uh, what have you had. Various, uh, various struggles. And when when our beautiful um, baby girl Isabella was born, it was in the midst of all this chaos. And I, I was struggling quite badly with postnatal depression, or or any concoction of, of depression. You know, I'd been on heavy duty medication for years since 2010 for my anxiety and depression. It really sort of sent me down a bit of a, a, a spiral, truth be told. And um, my, my my husband. My husband, Mark, we'd only ever wanted to, so we have to be very careful how I phrase this, but we, <laughs> our, our life plan had only ever been to have two children. And when we had Isabel, especially with the circumstances we were under, we were more than happy that our little family was complete. And based on that, my husband was booked in for the consultation to to get the old snip. And <laughs> that was on the Monday, the Friday before. The, no word of a lie, Tracy. The Friday before I found out I was pregnant with my youngest, Sam. Oh, so you, you know it, it, you, you couldn't make this up but, but there was a few pivotal moments and it does, it does tie into your, your question because in 2016 when we made the decision to to keep going with the business because it was a decision my husband Mark could have went back and earned 60-70 grand a year as a sole trader he was always able to to command a, a good income because he's very good at what he, he does and when you've had your fingers burnt in the way that we have you kind of think is, is any of this worth it and we thought we will keep going because there's no way we've came this far to only come this far. And our kind of definition of success massively changed at the time. I sort of said this in the wrong order because you have that conversation. It wasn't like some Hollywood light bulb moment because then we found out I was pregnant again and life continued to, to, to get in the way and um, we lost my, my father-in-law quite unexpectedly to cancer and lo- 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 lots of other things happened, which took took us back to early 2018. Um, and I got made redundant whilst I was still on maternity leave. Uh, I, I remember getting that call and we were only just getting ourselves Back on our feet financially and it really just felt like we were in complete free fall uh, and I, I actually found myself in a situation where I was taking my double pram into the job centre to claim job seekers' allowance and for me as someone who'd always classed themselves as a high performance person it, it felt you know embarrassing i never thought that my life would get to that point and from a confidence and a self a, a esteem point of view you know I, I felt pretty worthless and and this is why i tend to talk a lot more about the mindset side of things and um, than the the property strategies themselves because life is hard business is hard property is hard and without building up the right mindset and the mental mental resilience I, I feel like we're we're building on sand but the stars had started to align for us and a few a few chance encounters had brought us back on the path of property. But having learnt the hard way first time round, and I know you're a huge fan of this yourself, Tracy, we were going to do things very differently and that is when we got ourselves educated. And this kind of brings me back to the point you were mentioning around the, the raising finance because I think when we are educating ourselves about property, Yes, we need to know about the strategies. We need to know how to source the deals. We need to know how to structure the deals. And, you know, we we need to make sure that we're compliant and and all the other things. But unless we can truly leverage the art of raising finance, we're also going to, you know, we're we're very quickly going to come unstuck. And on day one of the property trading that I did, one of my mentors said something to me, which has held me in good stead ever since. And he said, you're a marketer first. And everything else. Second, and you—you you said this on my introduction, you know. And it is a bit. It has become a, my tagline. It's—it's it's not what you know. It's who you know. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. Because the reality is, the more people who know who you are, the more opportunities you create for for people to do business with you. And from finishing our property training, within the first four days, we had managed to do to purchase two properties, and it was. When we say no money down, obviously it's using money just not our money. And I think that's the bit that people become uh, perhaps are, there's a little bit of a miscommunication about because we'd spent every last penny. We were here, st- like I am not here to plead poverty because we were your stereotypical middle class. I used every penny of my redundancy money to um fund our property training. But we had a nice house, you know, we went on two holidays a year. We we weren't destitute. Um, we just had nothing in the bank, you know, we we lived to our means as so many people do. We didn't really have that Um, financial intelligence that that we've kind of come to learn and and cultivate over the last few years. But but I think whether it's sourcing a property, whether it's working with an investor or any of the other relationships we form in property, doing a joint venture with our builder or even just working with builders or, or project managers relationships are the highest form of currency and I say this and you can cut me in the middle and and, and it will be right through the middle of me <laughs> and, and and it's not BS because with with a lot of people there, there's so many buzzwords and things isn't there out there at the moment. but I, I really don't think that the majority of people grasp the power of, of good relationships where you're you're connecting with people not coming from a place of expectation either. And when I look at where the majority of our success has come from, yet ultimately I'm very good at bringing people in through my personal brand, but it's, it's how you cultivate those relationships offline ultimately that's going to put money in your bank and create that win-win situation for you and your investor or your vendor or whoever else.
0: Yeah, and that, that does pay off because, I, I mean, I've, as you know, I'm, I do property as well. Um, one of my funders, he's been with me now – eight years. Not because I got him towards me to begin with, because I didn't know him. When we sat down, I was chatting to his girlfriend that I didn't know was his girlfriend at the time. Um, But it's building that relationship turns it from a one deal funder to a multi-deal funder. And that makes the difference. So, you know, I, sometimes I get on my soapbox about this. I, I speak with lots of people in property and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And, I'm gonna, you know, I've been told to go and get funding privately and all this. And that's great. You know, like you said, the strategies, the area, you know, you're going to go HMO or serviced accommodation. That's all fabulous. But then when you say, so where are you going to put out your stall that says I'm in property, come talk to me? And they go, what do you mean? well, are you doing any lives on Facebook? Are you posting on LinkedIn? Are you doing this on XYZ? You know, have you got an Instagram account? Oh no, I'm a bit too scared to do any of that. I'll do that afterwards. It is so refreshing to hear you sort of come to where I've been on Soapbox, which is no, you do that first. You build up that brand. You build up other people's knowledge and awareness that you are doing property And then you can start to attract people to you that wants to do a win-win. So I think that's fantastic, Ellie. So you're in a position, you've gone through a couple of struggles in life. You know, life throws at you what it's going to throw at you. And you could, like you say, have just gone back into normal corpdom, employed, guaranteed wage, etc. Do you, and it's a bit of a weird question because it's one that is a bit, unless you were there, you wouldn't necessarily know. But do you think some of where you are today is actually because of the learnings you got from where you were yesterday?
1: Oh, 100%. You know, there's a great book, I think it's Ryan Holiday, The The Obstacle is the Way, Uh, We. we, (laughs) a situation only has the meaning that we choose to attach to it. I mean, look at where we are in the world at the minute. Who could have predicted, you know, the last 18 months with COVID and lockdowns and, and things like that? And we, we absolutely need to to kind of build that resilience. And, and this is why I'm very... Um, open about the fact that, yeah, I mean, I'm sharing struggles in the past, but we we, we still, um, as business owners, continue to face these on a, an almost daily basis. But what's quite interesting, I mean, we, we just had our fire protection business, we just had a half million project pulled from us uh, for reasons out with our control with three days notice. I mean, this is the stuff that you're just dealing with um, constantly. And the reason I share that is because your threshold just, you don't necessarily see it happening. But when I look back, even six months ago, this is how quickly things evolve, at the the problems that we face, the challenges in our business, or even just in our life, and the things that were, were sort of causing us stress, I look back now and I think, bloody hell, was it this, what was I worried about that for? You know, because it's, um, the bigger you get, the bigger your, your problems and your challenges are. And again, that's kind of why... Um, I'll I'll lead everything back to to finance. We've had, um, we've been structuring, um, we were structuring our biggest deal to, to date at the time, which was, probably 18 months ago now, pre, pre-COVID, I think I've lost, I've, <laughs> I've lost track of time over the, this last 18 months. probably about two years ago. And literally the day before the papers were due to get signed, um, our, our investor backed out. We, we've had another situation where, again, relationship size form of currency. Uh, we'd been negotiating with um, a billionaire, billionaire investor. We'd structured things. We were structuring... Um, Basically, they they were going to fund 100% of our acquisitions and our refurbs. We were going to have um, certain facilities set up. It had all been going back and forth with lawyers for quite a significant amount of time. Um, twelve well, just best part of twelve months. And then the Friday before Boris locked us down on Monday. They, they basically reneged on it all. And we had 10 properties going through legals at that time and naively would put all our eggs in one basket. So you're constantly learning. And, and I think the fact that we've done so much within a short space of time, it, it's, it's, it's not for the faint hearted. There are, you know, there, there, there's pros and cons of doing it every way. We, we probably, we, we did 25 property transactions in our first year But there's always, um, you know, there is learnings, continually learnings. I can tell you the learnings about getting into property and then every year the the sort of evolution. And and now I'm looking at people that I work closely with who are perhaps doing two or three developments in a year on a larger scale with less staff, less overheads, less outgoings and more net profit. So I think you're constantly testing and measuring and as a lifelong student, we're always looking at, Ways that we can improve. But it's interesting because as an employee, I don't know know if your listeners can relate to this. I'm fairly open about my struggles and things like that with depression and and mental health. And, you know, I think that's to an extent something I'm always going to have to manage. And that's why I do, you know, a lot of the the crazy stuff with ice baths and my fitness and things like that. It's not because I really, you know, meditation. I'm constantly exploring ways to... To, to, to kind of um, be the best version of myself because my success, success to me is, is happiness and it's the inner peace. It's it's I realised quite quickly um, that it's it's not um about the money in the bank, that you know, that that's not to say I don't want to make money as well, but it certainly isn't what what kind of motivates me to, to kind of get up in the morning. But despite the fact that I've always had this. Almost crippling anxiety that has been crippling because I've had panic attacks. I've been there in the fetal position on many occasions, physically unable to leave my house. But contrary to that, I've always had, and, and it does sound like it's um contradicting myself, but but this is just my reality. I've always had a a real inner grit, a belief, a a, a, a certainty that I'm capable of more than my existing reality. And I've not necessarily known. How to go about that. I, I was never exposed to this kind of language, the entrepreneurial world, world that I, I was very much here, you go to school, you get a good job, you're a classic, you go to university, you, you, you know, one day you might be lucky enough to retire at 50 if you're not dead from the stress of it all. And at that point you can start enjoying your life. And I think that as a society, we're we're I don't know if indoctrinated is too far a word, but but you know, I think we we have society's definition of, of what's success can be and you know I've I've got three young children I've got a a four a five and a nine-year-old and and actually financial freedom to me is being able to and again I don't want to it's been able to buy back some time if I want to take the six-week school holiday off and go and hire a villa in Spain then we can do that and we're not deferring our happiness to some you know or attaching our self-worth to something that may or may not happen in the future
0: Yeah, and I've always had a similar thing. Financial freedom to me is not about financial freedom. It's about freedom of choice. Choosing what to do, when to do it, where to do it and who to do it with. And at the end of the day, yeah, a lot of the world moves around running Money, of course it does. But for me, it's always about asking, well, why do I need that amount of money? Because underneath that amount of money that people put down as, oh, this is the amount of money I need. Underneath it, Is something that is not related to money at all it's related to happiness it's related to family it's related to legacy so you know it's been one of mine for a long time so Ellie you apart obviously you've got the electrical and the fire protection business which is a service it is a product but on your property side in terms of a lot of what you do around your brand marketing your personal brand your expertise there is no product or service So you've managed to build an expert brand, if you like, with not a single service or product to sell.
1: Yeah so you know what's really interesting Tracy and, and like so so many people see the brand stuff because it's uh, like like most things in life I'm I'm definitely not here to advocate get rich quick and I had success in terms of raising finance quite quickly but that's not everyone's experience you know you, you do need continuity to to try and start building trust or online as as, as well as offline but the reason so it's interesting because if, if anyone on here um, is not connected with me on LinkedIn, go and connect with me and have a scroll through my feed because I've just had a post. I've had a couple of posts go semi viral in the last couple of weeks, but I've got one particular post um, which is my best performing post to date in terms of traction. And it's on like over 1.2 million views at the moment. Now, the reason I'm sharing that is because, as you've heard me say before, Tracy, Likes and views do not put money in the bank. I absolutely accept that. You will never hear me say otherwise. But when people say that, if they're not putting this caveat in, I really think they're missing a trick because the whole point of any form of marketing is to bring attention to you or your product or service ultimately. We're business people, first and foremost. Of course, we're here to add value. That goes without saying, but we're here to do business. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a capitalist. I'm quite happy to, to to say that. So I see my social media as my shop window where it's, it's set out in a way that it makes it clear to um, any potential customers or clients exactly what I do. But as I've said to you before, Tracy, Expert Empires, the thing with a shop window is it doesn't matter how good your product or service is or it doesn't matter how fancy your display is because if you don't have that foot flow walking past the shop and people don't know that you're there, then quite simply, it's irrelevant. And that particular post that I spoke to you about going viral with over 1.2 million views and continuing to climb, we're up to 70 investor inquiries off the back of that one post. Brilliant. Now, of course, there's going to be tire kickers amongst there. We've got a process to whittle that down. But I tell you something, there's nothing, sure as de- death in taxis, I will onboard multiple new clients off the back of that. And, and I think when people really start to grasp that, and I don't do it the way that most of the gurus sort of, Advocate. There's not really that many calls to action, and um, if any, if you go through my feed and the posts I have put calls to actions out on, they rarely get a response. But um, yeah, when people see that content and it's you know you're on their radar, then it, it's absolutely the first step in the process, and it's been wildly successful for us. And when people think of, and I've had this, and I used to, at the start, I used to almost uh, pretend to be a bit more operational in our business than I was because I perhaps didn't recognise the value that my role brought to the table, but. The reality is without the personal brand and without the the things that I was bringing to the business, there wouldn't have been any real work. There wouldn't have been 25 projects in the first year. We wouldn't have a a multi seven figure property portfolio of our own because we we would have had no way of of being able to, to transact.
0: No. So for those people that are out there that are doing the social media, it's their shop window. They get responses back from people that they don't know. Um, and by the way, I'll interject with this as well before I finish the question, Ellie, if I may. If you're sat there thinking, "Well, I've had I've had ten likes, and nobody's asked me about investing," look at the numbers: 1.2 million views, 70 enquiries. Whittle that down. If you've only had ten views, then it's highly unlikely you're gonna have one inquiry. So that was just a bit of caveat and I'll go back to the question now. So there you are, you've got your shop window, you've put a post out, you've got a little bit of traction on it. For other people out there that are using the same method to build their product, their service or their brand, what top tips could you give people that, you know, somebody somebody comes in, you get a response back What's your top tips for them moving that towards somebody to sit in front of and talk to?
1: Yeah, no, it's a a great question. So now because of the amount of inquiries we get, you don't necessarily, if you're only getting one inquiry a week, you don't necessarily need to do this, but we get, you know, we get too many. So. My my PA basically every day at nine o'clock, she goes through my LinkedIn inbox um, and we'll, we've got different criterias for different things. We've got anyone who a lot of people reach out to me about mentorship and things like that, which I, I don't do. But I like to reply to everybody, and give them some hints and tips and signpost them or, or whatever else. We have a, a lot of people who um, resonate with my posts who want to share their own personal experiences or um, you know, get, give positive feedback about how perhaps it's given them the confidence to go and set up their own business or, or take action in another area. And again, I like to try and reply to those ones personally. But for the investor inquiries, it's it's pretty straightforward. Our process, we reply, um, you know, we, we, we personalise the message a little bit and we also explain to them that the process, we get their email address, we then send our investor fact find form, we have a web form for them to complete once that's completed, and only once that's completed, and, and we've had that, that will just pop back into our CRM system. Then the calendar link in and there they can book an appointment. But we've had to kind of put those those steps in place. Yeah. And, and the good thing is, so so I've, I've said um, I've said seventy inquiries here. There there are seventy inquiries where we've had web forms. You know, and there will still be tire kickers in there. Make no mistake about it, because people, pe- the reality is, you're going to get people that will sort of say things just to get you on the phone. As well, which I'm, you know, I'm sure you're aware of, Tracy, yeah. and you've had that. So, you, you can't, you can't always filter those people out. But, but you know, initial insp- like inquiries were were absolutely off the chart, and you just can't if you don't put these qualifying steps in place. You would spend all day on on the phone to to investor inquiries. But the great thing is, and so a a few points as well, because it takes a while to get engagement and it's a very demoralising process at the start. And especially when you're looking at other people that seem to be getting engagement and traction. But I, I know in the early days that, I would do a post that I would believe would go absolutely viral. You know, I put my heart and soul into it, and it would absolutely bomb. It. And it still happens sometimes. And you can't really predict what's going to work. And you're constantly testing and measure. But, but, but two points. One is don't be demoralized because there's a lot of lurkers out there who are watching what you do who will not like and they will not engage. Um, and every time I get an investor inquiry, I always just take. Five, 10 minutes, just more out of curiosity to look back over my last 10, 20, 30 posts or what have you. Has this person liked, engaged, commented? And 90% of the time, the answer is no. However, when they do reach out to us, I'll get a message like, Ellie. I've been following you for the last 18 months, two years, sometimes longer than that. It takes people a long time to, to make that first step. Not always, and we did have success very quickly, but there's a lot of risk-averse people out of there. But the flip side of that is when we get them on the call, it's it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, because they've been following us, they resonate with our values and it's us specifically they want to work with. And that leads me on to my second point, really, because people don't want to be educated in the traditional format. So, yeah, I mean, I've taken a different strategy. Yes, I'll post pictures of our properties out there and just show people the transition between the before and afters or give examples of basically the kind of thing that, that the projects that the investor finance funds. But I don't try to educate people. And if you look at that particular post that I spoke about there with the 1.2 million views, it, it was about the, um, the, you know, basically about us all being equal and let's treat each other in a respectful manner, because whether you're a, a billionaire or a, a CEO or whether you're um, a grassroots labourer, you know, we, we we all bring the same amount of value into this world. And um, the, the post has just kind of went a little bit nuts. So it's got absolutely nothing to do with property, But yet not many people adopt this style of marketing that I'm doing. And, you know, I spoke at Expert Empires on stage, as you did, and, you know, I was saying some of the the hints and tips that you can do with regards to Sales Navigator and niching down on your, your specific avatar. But truth be told, the majority of my success just comes from going out, being me, me, sharing the highs and lows of the entrepreneurial journey, the the challenges of dealing with overwhelm or trying to be a present mum to my three young children whilst trying to scale the multiple businesses. That's the kind of real chat that makes people reach out and want to work with us as opposed to the other, I think there's 65,000 other property investors sat on LinkedIn. You know, that's why we we're getting the business and converting it.
0: Yeah, because it's not just all come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. It's genuine content that's sometimes property-based, sometimes not. And at the end of the day, people buy, in inverted commas, because they're not buying from you, but people buy from people. That's always been said, hasn't it? It's just phenomenal. So you've gone on, you're still building your brand. You've started the On A Mission podcast. Um, So... Where, where's that taking you? Where's the where's the theory behind doing the podcast?
1: Well, you know what, it was really interesting. It was it was actually during the first lockdown. I'm I'm very much again because of the nature, not just the nature of my role within the business, which is all about networking and meeting people in person, speaking at events, um, you know having client meetings, I enjoy being around masterminds and I'm somebody that that vibes very much on the energy of being around other people, high performance people or people that are doing crazy things in whatever sector, whether it's fitness or whatever else. So I absolutely love that. And during the first lockdown i had we had we had a blast we we really did um you know and appreciate everyone i had completely different experiences but but thankfully we were we were financially secure and as much as we definitely had our challenges overall it was a great time to, to reconnect as a family but after about maybe four or five weeks into the lockdown i did start to feel like i was losing a bit of my identity and all of a sudden I'd went from, my husband was pretty much in the office. Well, we were both hands-on with the kids, but he had a lot of practical stuff he needed to deal with, whereas I'm brand building and meet, in-person meetings, So therefore it made sense for me to be the primary uh, sort of carer, if you refer to your own children as that, but the, the, the one who's spending the time with the kids. So, um, yeah, I, I basically came up with an idea to... Um, to do something called the Sunday series, where yes. I was uh, live stream interviews with people. And I'd never done anything like that before, Tracy. I really hadn't. And um, it was a real comfort zone stretcher. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, and and it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me because, so up until this point, if so pre-COVID, I wouldn't think anything of travelling down to London to go and speak at an event with like 50 to 100 people right and that would probably cost me and usually a member of my team who's coming into photography you know photography or what have you or travel overnight accommodation and obviously our time as well and like you said there it's for general brand building they're not feeding people into any other sort of product or service or course and then suddenly I'm doing these Facebook lives and I'm like, oh my God, like these are literally getting thousands of views. Like this, this it sounds so simple, but the power is always in the simplicity for me. I've never been the sharpest tool in the box. I'm thinking, oh my God. So instead of speaking to 50 people and it take me out of the game for a full day, I can sit here in my uh, kitchen on a Sunday night with a glass of wine, which was the kind of theme of the the the, the, <laughs> the brand. You know, I have a glass of wine. Or a yeah, plate.
0: I watched a few of them. I, I
1: I I loved it, and I realised as much as it was a bit scary, um, that I, I kind of like oh, I feel like I found my niche a little bit, and um, a mutual friend of hers, Rob Moore, I got in touch with Rob, so I thought right, I'm going to take this to the next level. As the 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 lockdown started to to ease up, the numbers of the lives went down, and the world started to reopen. So I thought I really need to turn this into a proper podcast. So I reached out to Rob and just said, it sounds a bit woo-woo, I was actually doing a meditation and then after the meditation I was like, right, you need to launch a podcast and this is it. And before I could even change my mind, I'd sent Rob a a WhatsApp audio note and I was like, right, it's done now, it's out out in the universe. And I didn't really think he'd say yes, so I I didn't think too much of it. And he got back to me he was like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. what's the name of your podcast? And I thought, I'm just going to be honest. I just said, I've not got a podcast for all, but I've not got a name for one. Can you help? And um, he, he actually helped me come up with a name on a mission, which is where it kind of began and um it is not a property podcast i love to to speak to anyone who's got a bit of a story um not just in business because like i said success to me is just about being the best version of your, yourself i've got and um, you know i've got olympians on there i've got boxers on there we've got billionaires on there we've got i've got um, a guy called mark Hormrod, who's is an absolute inspiration triple um, yeah. Entry.
0: I listened to that actually. That, I think I was do- listening to that last Sunday while I was doing my gardening. Were you <laughs> that really? Yeah, that's when I sit and listen to the podcast. If I, you know, if I'm got out in the garden weeding, rather than just being out in the garden weeding, I stick the earphones on, listen to podcasts, and um, yeah, funnily enough, it was the one with Mark that I was listening to the other Sunday
1: it's really interesting so from my point of view I'm getting all the stimulation that I could dream of because I'm connecting with some awesome people and, and you know and, and as you're going to find out or already finding out with your own podcast people are just a lot more receptive to being a guest on a podcast than just oh Ellie you know we're, we're all so busy oh you always mean to catch up with people and have chats and things it doesn't always materialise but you, you find that they come into fruition a lot more if it's, if it's a, a specific podcast invitation and it, as much as this was never my intention when I set up the podcast, because I'm dealing with yeah, you know, I I have been really lucky to get some amazing people on. I've had Ricky Hatton on, I've I've had Gerald Ratner on, I've I've just had some awesome people. And what's really bizarre is that um, some of those guests are becoming clients now. And and it goes back to the introduction you did for me. It's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who, who knows who, you. People need to know who you are. If you're going to, and I'm, I'm just going to probably sound a little bit derogatory here, and that isn't my intention. But just, 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 if you're going to low level networking property events, there, I've said it, and you've got 55 deal sourcers there, and you've got, you know, everybody's looking for the the same thing. Everybody's just looking for investment, or you've got your one man band brokers and what have you. And that the, the, these events are great, and I've had a lot of success with them, particularly in the early days. But, but you are fishing in the same pond as a lot of other people, whereas, and again, it, it comes back to marketing from the start. I thought, okay, well, how do I get myself in the front of the room? How do I position myself that, that I'm the authoritative figure, that I'm the key person of influence? And, you know, I, I've always invested heavily in marketing. The first time I was doing a, I was only doing a 10-minute slot, but I tell you what, the amount of professional photos I got taken and what have you, you'd have, thought I was, you'd have thought I was running a property conference, you know, and then that that's kind of going out in the, the, the social media and what have you, but what I'm doing with the podcast, if if you're getting around people that other people aren't necessarily getting access to, then it's just a different level of chat and it's a different level of of opportunity. And what's that saying about, you know, the air gets thinner, the the closer you get to the top. And I, I, I genuinely don't think that many people grasp that. And I suppose I, I, nobody really taught me that. I just think from, from a... I, I gravitate towards high-performance people. And even when we were just starting out, I mean, at the end of the day, it's only three and a half years. I'm, I'm not professing to... You know to, to, to be, you know, I'm very proud of what we've achieved in such a short space of time. But that, that I would put, you know, yes, it's to do with the personal brand 100%. That it's been getting around people continually that are further down the path that I want to travel. You know, that's not just millionaires, but multi millionaires, and decamillionaires, and billionaires, and uh, just just vibing off their energy, listening to how they talk, the similarities in their, their routines, and how they conduct their businesses, and what have you. So yeah, yeah, I can't recommend
0: it, you know. And and they do say if you want to be a millionaire, hang around with billionaires. Don't don't sit in the same pond as everybody else. I mean, I got a, a lot a little bit of stick when back in lockdown like you I, I took a decision to step away from freelancing in the property education space. And I thought, you know, where do I go now? There's loads of people out there doing property. So I literally thought, okay, let's be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. So I niched it to women, but I got a bit of stick about that because it's like, and it's like, guys, it's just a marketing brand. I still work with men, but in terms of my marketing, I'm promoting to a a smaller pool of people where I can actually, like you say, be the expert. So it's definitely good advice for anybody out there doing business. Um, Ellie, it's been, you know, we could keep going for hours. It has been absolutely amazing. You are certainly a lady on a mission and I'm loving the podcast. How can people reach out to you? Have you, it, have you got a website they can go to? Do they just go download on a mission?
1: oh yeah great question tracy and i'll I'll send you all my links as well for the, for the show notes and um, the website will be live probably by the time this podcast goes out the web the website is just getting its final tweaks for the moment and um, so that will be um, ellie mckay.com and um, i've got all all of my, my on emission podcasts it's on all the major um podcasting platforms apple music spotify etc and um, if you want to see the um the, the, the visuals as well go to my YouTube I'm on LinkedIn Facebook Instagram basically you you can't you can't avoid me no, <laughs> so everywhere
0: at the end of the day guys social media is Ellie's shop front and it's a big one so Ellie before we finish a couple of quick fire questions for you um Uh-oh. social media Facebook LinkedIn or Instagram for investment linkedin brilliant great question what's been your most extravagant purchase to date oh property wise uh anywise. what's your most extravagant that's a great question
1: we just got a new house new car um i wouldn't say they're extravagant though um i like my handbags like my
0: shoes handbags and shoes. We'll go with that one. And to end it, the question I ask all my guests, our podcast is called Sweat, Grit and Hustle. So for you, sweat, grit or hustle, which resonates the most and why? Grit. I very nearly called my podcast Inner Grit because I tell you what, that resilience, it's, uh, to
1: quote the greatest philosopher of all time, Rocky Balboa, you know, it's not about how many times you get hit, it's about how many times you get hit and you get back up. And I think that's a a, a great life lesson, regardless of your sector.
0: Yeah, I always I always call that my warrior stance. Six times down, seven times up. <laughs> Uh, a lady that is definitely on a mission, and it's been an absolute pleasure to spend the last 40, 50 minutes with her. Ellie Mackay, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, Tracy. Bye, everyone.
0: To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit, and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com.